0: ball. Ewing goes up, the basket counts.
1: He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He
0: scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down and the game is tied. Here is the ramp moving on Tucker. He turns, he shoots. Yes! With one second one!
1: Talking Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association, this is is pick and pod on
2: WFUV Sports.
1: Welcome in to another edition of pick and Pod. I'm Anthony Bartiromo along with Will Grant and Colin Lochran and we have a lot to talk about on this week's episode. New York basketball sure is something right now. The Knicks are decent and are our circus but before we get into that I want to ask you guys will Colin how you doing I know it's been a busy week in sports.
3: Yeah, very busy. I uh, just came from recording Storm the Court, and right after this, I'll shoot down to the Barclays Center for Knicks versus Nets tonight. Gonna be a good one. Reporting on behalf of WFUV, um, and honestly, just a fan. Uh, Knicks Nets doesn't get much better than that, figuring out who runs the city. And, uh, you know,
1: don't have too much to complain about today. Definitely. I feel that, Colin. How are you doing? I know you're calling in here virtually, but... Uh
2: Yeah, I'm happy to be here, guys. And, Will, I envy you. That is going to be quite the matchup. You mentioned it has a little bit of that rivalry element, much different from the Mets and Yankees over in baseball in that with the Knicks and Nets, there really is that kind of big brother, little brother thing. Not to say that it's not there with the Subway Series we all know and love, but it's different, right? The Nets came from Jersey. They're in Brooklyn. They obviously have less of a committed fan base than the Knicks. It's been like that ever since they got here 10 years ago. But in recent years, they've made more of a push in free agency. They have the Stars and KD. Kyrie not playing tonight for other reasons, of course. But in recent years, that rivalry has gotten more heated just based on the principle of one season winning a little bit more than the other. But tonight should be really interesting. The Knicks have been playing really well. I'm watching Julius Randle in particular tonight for reasons we will get into.
1: Yeah, definitely. Julius Randle, I mean, as one of the... Julius Randle's biggest haters I want him to shut me up I'm praying that Julius Randle goes back to that 2020 year he had and really just you know (laughs) proves me wrong but let's get into the Knicks right here they have been playing decently they're five and five so far eighth in the east um we've seen some decent basketball you know that core of R.J. Barrett Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle they've been solid but this team really lacks like that superstar you know in the offseason they needed to do that Donovan Mitchell trade or something like that yeah. yeah,
3: I mean, Donovan Mitchell would have been nice. He's obviously killing it right now in the Cavs, but I think the Cavs are far more equipped than the Knicks are right now. Definitely. I mean, they're starting five if you look at them. They're unbelievable. Darius Garland, uh, Evan Mobley, um, just to name a few. But back to the Knicks here, Julius Randle, if he can go back to that most improved player of the year, kind of season that feel that would be great because last year was a huge letdown and yeah. like you said the Knicks aren't something too special right now they're five and five uh actually let me read you a fun stat they have a point zero zero point differential they are 16th in offense 16th in defense and 15th in SRS and they have played five home games and five road games and they are one and one in overtime you can't really get more mid than that mm-hmm. um you know, they're calling Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, you know, the big three, but honestly, I see they're them as the mid-three. Yeah. Um, you know, that was a little corny. I'm sorry to step right into that one, but tonight should be a good matchup. I think that these two teams right now, considering the fact that Kyrie Irving is out, gives a good, you know, look at how they're, they shape up against big bro. I mean, Mitchell mm-hmm. Robinson's out as well, um, so there's there's something to figure with Nick Claxton going off tonight like he usually does. Uh, he's been an unbelievable part for their team 2.3 blocks a game leading the team in rebounds 9.3 and then putting in some other baskets that are much needed slamming with authority is number one on my list for him because he -hmm. provides a spark to a team that has battled so much adversity and just a note right now jock vaughn has been named the head coach for the rest of the season yeah originally the interim and originally before that an assistant assistant and then Steve for about Nash. five years yeah yeah right so he knows the system he kind of knows what's going on although there is not much system not much <laughs> identity with this team I think that he is going to put his best foot forward and work with what he has right now considering everything and Ime Adoko's out um, that's for another podcast to talk about but <sighs> Yeah, I, I, I think that this should be very interesting. Brooklyn Nets are minus three and a half uh, favorites going into this game. And, Colin, what do you make of that? Are they covering or are they, uh, are they blowing it?
2: Ooh, well, I personally think the Knicks might pull out a win tonight. Hmm. So if Explain. we're going on, I look at this right now as a tale of two very different boroughs. Hmm. The Knicks have something the Nets don't, and it's, it's an offensive identity. Now, are the Knicks the best offensive team in the NBA right now? No, by no means at all. But what they do have is a standard point guard that can run the system, distribute the ball when necessary, and create his own shot, and that's Jalen Brunson. The other night, I watched him go against the Boston Celtics, which was much closer than I thought it was going to be. And after the game, I had asked him, Well, you're looking a lot like someone that's dominating from the mid range. Now, Brunson was always going to be a good scorer for the Knicks. I just didn't realize that was going to be a focal point of his game. I thought he'd be much more of a drive to the rim, get some contact, go to the line type of guy. I didn't necessarily see him pulling those type of moves off, but there it was right in front of my eyes, getting by Marcus Smart, getting by Jalen Brown. So if that's the player that Brunson's going to be from this point going forward in the year, that's crucial. because That's something the Knicks really haven't had. Definitely, Obviously, you yeah. had Rose two years ago that could get you some buckets when there were stretches where the team couldn't score. But I like what Brunson brings to this team. And with the Nets without Kyrie Irving don't have that. So it's KD and everybody else. You know, and if Cam Thomas plays a little bit more, that should get you a couple of points. But he hasn't really gotten that opportunity over in Brooklyn, which is not a very smart idea for a team that's looking for answers. Additionally, on the Knicks side of things, offensively, Randall has been much better this year than he was last year. And I think that has something to do with Brunson being there in that Randall doesn't feel the need to kind of take the ball, dribble it every which way and try and make a bucket in isolation. No, now all he has to do is be a part of a system that's forming itself. Yeah, Not 100%. like it was even in 2021 where, you know, Randall was a good 50% of that scoring. It felt like at times this Knicks team is much different in terms of construction. And the last guy I want to mention here tonight for this match because I think it's going to be a really fascinating to watch. Watch Isaiah Hartenstein. Mm, was yes. just going to ask you has. with
3: Mitch out, how's that going to go?
2: This kid was all over the court against Boston. He was making the plays that you need to have on a winning basketball team. The plays that no one wants to make necessarily. He's diving on the floor. He's grabbing rebound. I want to see him go up against Nick Claxton. I would not be surprised if Hartenstein gets the better of Claxton. Like, that's not a knock on Claxton. That's just how tough I think Hartenstein is as a player.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is a Knicks team that's very young. Other than a few pieces, this is a team that's hungry and young. And I feel like uh, what you were saying back with Brunson, this is the first true point guard the Knicks have had in a very long time. You know, we look back at their history. They had Campbell last year, that never worked. They had uh, Alfred Payton, Derek Rose at one time. You know, they did not have a true point guard until Brunson. And I love what I've seen from Brunson. You know, he's putting up career highs so far in points, rebounds, assists. And really, they can run the offense through him. I feel good watching the Knicks run the offense through Brunson. Because when they were running it through Randall last year, Randall just, obviously, he'd had a bad year. But his shot was just not there, you know. His three-point percentage from 2021 to 2022 went down almost, like, went from 45 to four. Wait, no, it's from, <laughs> it went from uh, 41 to 30. That just simply is not okay. I think
3: the teams definitely saw him play in that year that I discussed before, two years ago, Uh, Mm -hmm. and they said, hey, we should definitely start guarding this guy a little better because he came from the Lakers, I believe, and he was you know some guy that was sort of on the fringe, a little washed up, you can say, but nobody expected him to explode like that, and I think that he worked on his game, but equally, the next year, defenses started to pick at him and understand that he's... Not as great of a shooter as he was that year. Therefore, the decline in the in the uh, three point shooting percentage. Exactly, yeah, and they were able to lock up. And the team last year did not have Jalen Brunson. Mm-hmm. So this is this is such a fun matchup. I think Nets Knicks is going to be good throughout the entire year because there's just an element of
2: you know it's it's if just you're just two- throwing
3: two teams out there. One's yeah. not too good, and then the other is trying to be good in the Knicks. And the Nets are just falling apart. Knicks are kind of going up. So. It's interesting
1: to see what happens tonight. Yeah, they're just two completely different teams like in the way they're built. You know, the Knicks, mm-hmm. you look down the roster, 1 through 10, 1 through 11, they can make positive imp- a positive impact right, on the floor. Right. You know, guys like Evan Fournier, Opie Top, and Cam Reddish, those are like solid role players that every team needs. And you look at the Nets, on the other hand, I see 1 through 6, 1 through 7. You know, they have no depth whatsoever. You know, I know you mentioned with Claxton, he's been solid. Uh, Royce O'Neal... He's been a bright spot for the Nets, but other than that, who on this Nets team is really going to come off the bench and be that spark plug guy for the Nets? His name is Edmund Sumner, 15th <laughs> pick a few
3: years ago out of Xavier, a musketeer. Um, he gets into these games, and he understands that this is his only time to shine, or yeah. unless he you know, wants to go back home and pack up the bags and get a real job. He's putting everything he can out on the floor right now, and I, I, I think that Cam Thomas too is one of those guys Mm. that can do it. Last week I talked to Chris on Pick and Pod, and he said, "Well, he doesn't. You know, he's not going to play. He uh, he's totally against the Nets, but he just wasn't given the opportunity to." So when you see a guy like Kyrie in this league out for whatever reasons, bunch of reasons, bunch of reasons, he gets in there and he's able to put up a great performance. He had 20 plus against the uh, the Mavs the other night, and then the the night before he had 25. Um and a huge crucial three point shot down the uh, down the stretch against the Mavs the other night. Did you see the Mavs game? It was I did. Yeah, it was unbelievable. They had Kevin Durant fouled by uh by the Mavs and by Reggie Boak specifically, and he goes out there, he makes the first free throw. Everyone's thinking, oh shoot, this is going to overtime or Luke is going to pull some magic at the other end. Yep. Nope, he misses the second free throw and it's unbelievable listen to the stat that's his first miss free throw in 62 free throws
1: 62 free unbelievable throws. Wow.
3: so yeah I mean they got the best of them there but I think that the Mavs team and the Knicks and the Nets are all in kind of that same bubble nobody knows what they are exactly
1: they just need like that one more piece and then Nets, you know they need a couple more right the right. bench but
3: I think the Nets can definitely do something with what they have they have the best scorer in the league and Kevin Durant right now putting yeah. up 31 a game I mean Come on, you can't really be losing too many games that are that bad. And that's the thing. They beat the bad teams. They yeah. went on that, uh, that little road trip, took care of Washington, took care of Charlotte, and you know fell to Just Dallas a little bit. Yeah, yeah but they're, they're definitely figuring it out, and I think that they're better than with Kyrie.
1: Yeah. Well, here's one guy. You talk about figuring it out. One guy that needs to figure it out soon is Ben Simmons. Mm. You know, this is a guy who's averaging 5, 6, and 6, and is prime back in, in Philly. He was a guy who could give you 18-8-8 with ease on any given night.
3: That's just not him anymore. Um, Unfortunately, everybody, he is not that guy. We've seen number one picks deteriorate. We saw Anthony Bennett virtually disappear (laughs) from the league after his rookie season. Ben Simmons is slowly diminishing. But it's up to Jock Vaughn what he wants to do right now. And I think that one thing that you need to look at in the league right now, what I've noticed across the board, is that these teams that have one two superstars that are there to guide everybody and lead them they're not necessarily doing that no not at all you see it in the nets they're kind of you know wishy-washy they get Kyrie KD as their faces of the franchise not too much to show for it but we'll see how it goes but you got these teams like the Jazz the Cavs that are working together as a cohesive unit in Mm -hmm. order to you know flourish and win some games
1: Well, this is the thing in the NBA now. We have all these teams who are trying to be like these quote-unquote super teams. You know, they put a bunch of stars together and they call it a day. Like, look at the Lakers. Mm -hmm. But that's not how it works. You need role players. You need guys who could come off the bench and just, like, get some instant office. Be that spark plug guy. But I think I love that Warriors team from last year because you look down that roster, 1 through 12, they were all good. They could all have a positive impact. Right. You know, you you had guys like Jordan Poole who you could run the offense through. You had Gary Payton who was a good defender who could you know, c- get a couple shots yeah Otto Porter Andre Iguodala, you know senior citizen but still <laughs> like <Otto> Porter, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> yeah but now you look at the Warriors this year and they're not the same because they lost those guys uh, uh, Otto Porter's gone Gary Payton's gone they don't have they don't have the same team and that's why they had such a bad start this year
3: yeah I think um, before you say something Colin this team we have yet to see it's like a curtain right Mm -hmm. you have a curtain yeah and there's somebody behind it you show them their their ankle you don't know who that is yeah you start showing the knee you kind of figure out a little bit who it is and then you get you get more shown throughout the season then you know what they are I don't think you can necessarily judge this team on
1: the 10 games games,
3: but it is very interesting to see a team like this that was so dominant last year and just Gave it, they're all just lose these these tight games. It's it's wild. Yeah, definitely.
2: I think the NBA, much like the NFL, is a game of parity, in that it is very very rare that you're going to see a team dominate without question for years at a time. It's because, you know, and when you do see that, it makes it that much more special. That the '90s Bulls, the '80s Lakers, and Celtics those early '90s Pistons teams for two years. So I think what we're seeing now is with the development of talent and the way in which you really need a deep unit to win a championship. It's not like Mm -hmm. those early 2010s where one or two guys could really carry you. I don't know if that's a product of the actual game switching in terms of philosophy. That would be my assessment personally. Mm -hmm. I think you see more three pointers than you did back then. I think you see more of a commitment to perimeter defense and less concern about what's going on in the paint. And I think what that does ultimately is forces guys to get more winded over the course of the game, which means you need more heads at the end of the day to compete. So teams like Brooklyn, teams like Golden State, are facing that reality now because look at the stars on those teams. Durant, Curry, Thompson, they were all a part of the association back when, oh, you just needed a couple guys, and that was going to win you in the championship. Look at how LeBron ended up in Miami. Yeah. It was based on the principle that him, Wade, and Bosch were going to bring this team to glory. Yeah, you had guys like A and Udonis Haslam that would come off the bench and do good things for you. Ray Allen, of course, with the big shot against the Spurs. But now you really need a collective unit, a team like Boston that has Tatum, Smart, Brown, right. Brogdon. Yeah. They yeah. might not even win the Eastern Conference because look at a team like Milwaukee and what they're boasting. Mm-hmm. You have yeah. probably the best player in the game. In Giannis, you have Middleton when healthy, who's a perimeter threat. Right, you're going to have other pieces that contribute along the way. So I think more than anything else, what you're seeing in Brooklyn, what you're seeing in L.A. too, is just the game is changing, and the amount of heads you need that can put the ball in the hoop and play defense specifically on the perimeter is becoming the focus.
0: Yeah,
3: I think that the game definitely is changing the philosophy, three point, uh, you know, just that entire development over the past few years. But also, there's an element of it. Outside of the game where guys are real, real stars around the world. I mean, these guys like Kevin Durant, he's not there in order to teach Edmund Sumner how to be an effective basketball player. He's there to drop 31 points a night and make some cold, hard cash, man. He's he's going in there thinking you know I could win it I could do it too like you said they they take that philosophy of back then the 2010s and then they go in and it just doesn't work because these other guys just don't understand they haven't been there and I think that a lot of the success that was endured by these younger guys was an element of you know seniority and showing guys what it's like to be in the league and I don't think that they want
1: to do that anymore yeah well, that's the thing. You look at this jazz team who's nine and three right a bunch of scrappy young guys who have nothing to play for exactly, and they're just doing their job. everyone has a role, everyone fulfills it, and that's the, how it's changing you know you don't have these this warriors team with the big three big four like you haven't you need a team one through twelve and put the ball in the hoop and play defense like these three and d guys you need them. It's a necessity in today's game right um I think
3: that. To build on that point, my surprise of the year a little bit, a little bit of a surprise is the Portland Trail Blazers at the mm. moment. Um, currently, they're seven and three. They have Anthony Simons leading the team in points, twenty-two point four. Stud Yusuf Nurkic, eleven point two rebounds a game. Josh Hart just pouring in buckets when they need it, and uh, Justice Winslow coming off the bench and Jeremy Grant as well. It's these teams that have guys that you can name, and on top of that, Damian Lillard. Yeah. And he's a guy that's been there since the start. So yeah. he can teach everybody the ins and outs, let everybody understand what their role is. He's a commanding presence. Everyone knows that, but he's yet to win anything. And this is the squad, I think, that he needs to take to the next level.
1: Really? That's a bold take. <laughs> well, I mean...
3: Go ahead, go on. Yeah.
2: Oh, my bad. I didn't no, you're no. good. No, you're good, man. Uh, I think my surprise, uh, and it pains me to say this, because I think this team has a little bit of that villain energy going on. They've had it for a little while. The Atlanta Hawks.
0: Atlanta I Hawks. think they could be
2: really scary by the end of the season. I like their head coach, too. I think McMillan doesn't get nearly as much credit mm-hmm. as he deserves, especially taking over two years ago and winning you two playoff series. Right. That, that to me, has gone under the radar. I think that wasn't helped by last year, obviously. But I look at Capella, I look at Trey Young, guys of this sort. You went out there and you got guys that could really help you over the offseason. I think uh, Murray is huge for them. I think he's going to continue to be huge for them as the series, uh, season goes on. Uh, the one concern I have with Atlanta going forward, and I think it's the same thing with Utah or a team like Portland, is just both conferences right now are a little bit top-heavy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And, you know, obviously things happen over the course of the year in terms of injuries and scheme change. Look at a team like Boston last year. In January, I thought they were in the basement. I thought they are going to end up in the cellar somehow, and they ended up going to the finals. So, obviously, we don't know. We're reading tea leaves here. That's what we're in the business of doing. But I think, you know, the Hawks have a certain offensive identity. It's that 3-and-D type of philosophy that could help them. And you have the big bopper in the middle in Capella. So, if you end up having to face a team like Giannis, well, then you at least have someone in the paint that can put up half of a fight, because I'm not sure many in the Eastern Conference can say the same thing. I mean, I look at what happened with Chicago last year. He ran right over the Bulls, Giannis did. I mean, Vujovic couldn't do anything. DeRozan's not going to be able to stop him. I look at Boston. I don't know if Time Lord's going to be back and if he's going to be 100% when he does come back. And then Brooklyn, it's the same thing. Even if they win some games, you don't know what that's going to look like against a guy like Giannis. So for me, the Hawks might present an interesting challenge because they have that outside perimeter defense shooting and a big bopper in Little and Clint Capella. It's kind of the same thing if Philly's able to get on their role in the East. Right now, I would see them as a massive disappointment, but we'll, we'll get into that, obviously.
1: Yeah, I mean, Philly, you look at that team, obviously horrible news with Harden in the foot, but this is a team that has... It's pretty built, you know, but one thing I don't like about Philly is that it's hard to build around a center in today's game. You know, we've seen it with the Nuggets every year; they just come up a little short. I mean, this year might be different with Murray back, but it's hard to build around a dominant center in today's game of three and D. Just kind of these three point shooters come off the bench, lighting up the scoreboard. You know, they surround Embiid with some pretty good players. You know, Maxie's a stud. Tobias Harris needs to step it up, but he's been solid so far. PJ Tucker's a nice little addition, but no, you don't know. Time Lord, is he gonna be back? But Philly I'm gonna say right now, I'm not too high on them. I think they're gonna disappoint heavily this year. I think a team like the Hawks, maybe even the Raptors, they have a better they have a better squad and they're gonna go further than Philly this year.
3: Yeah, the Raptors are very interesting. Uh Ananobi and Scotty Barnes, I mean they're they're interesting. They're one of those teams also that just has like a lot of they're sneaky. solid players. Yeah. yeah. And you see them, um, You know, trying to make something out of what they thought was nothing after Kawhi left. And I think that they are staying a lot higher in the East than a lot of projected other teams were.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a team led by Pascal Siakam. Who expected Pascal to be this good? Right. You know, he's an absolute stud. And he's surrounded with Fred Van Fleet, who's such a great shooter. You know, OG, Scotty Barnes, all you said. And they got some guys off the bench. You know, they signed Otto Porter, who I'm a huge fan of. Chris Boucher uh precious achiwa he's been solid right you know it's a team that's built for postseason even though we you know we're 11 games in this season still but i think they're solid
2: in fairness in fairness to Philly, so, i don't want to completely throw them under the bus if they get healthy they're theoretically built for the postseason as well granted that harden can step up when it matters most i think that's been kind of the narrative around James Harden for the past couple of years especially after he flat out quit over in Brooklyn I mean yeah. <laughs> there's no nicer way to put that the guy just quit on his team I look at as we're talking about all these other teams the Raptors will present a challenge yet again that was the first round matchup last year if I recall and you know it wasn't greatly close obviously Philly had an edge but The guy I keep looking at over in Toronto because he goes so under the radar was Siakam. It just feels like he's one of those sneaky good guys that is never gonna get the credit that he deserves.
1: He's never even in that
2: run I believe in twenty nineteen, he was key to that team. Wasn't just Kawhi. Now Kawhi obviously ran the show. No one's gonna He wouldn't be able to do it without Siakam. Exactly. And right now Siakam's the team leader in points, rebounds, and assists. (laughs) So he's leading every important category. For the Raptors, I mean, I, I think he's the type of guy that's going to keep growing into his own. I love what he's able to do on the corners, by the way. If you watch Seattle oh, yeah. play, it's very apparent he wants to get to that spot. He's got that little pump fake move. He can either step back from there and take a three, or he'll slice and dice you, get into the paint, put up a little reverse layup. Uh, he's one of those guys where it's very kind of ball esque and I love to watch it. Because he's not just a street ball player. He can play team-oriented basketball, but he has moves that make you think, all right, well, I don't really want to take him one-on-one either. Because with that big wingspan, with the jump shot work, and he's just a scary opponent.
1: He really is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, his bag is crazy there on the on the corner and in the, uh, in the wing. Another team that I'm a little disappointed in is the Miami Heat so far. Now, you know, they... Didn't have the best offseason, but still. This team is not really even like last year, I wasn't saying, I wasn't too high on them. This team is just not really built that great. You know, you have another year of Kyle Lowry. He wasn't he was horrible last in the in the playoffs last year. But then you have Jimmy Butler, who's now thirty three. Thirty three years three three years old. Obviously he had the great postseason last year, but how far can we expect this Heat team to go?
3: Well it's really it's really up to how the season plans out. I'm not sure if they're going to make the playoffs, but when you got a guy that's a dog like Jimmy Butler who's, you know, yeah. been there before, he's led teams himself by the time he was 25 years old. He knows what it takes to win an NBA playoff game. Yeah. He he just goes in there and, you know, he'll he'll uh he's not the most talented. He's not the most flashy, but he is a guy that knows how to get to the rack and score. Mm-hmm. I mean, we he saw him last year lose lose on that three-point shot that he took at the end of the game. And you know nobody was blaming him for that. I he think he deserved that, to take that shot. He deserved that shot, and he—that's why he's the commander of this team. Although I hate seeing uh, his like weird drag- dreadlocks. It looks <laughs> I like hate uh, the look. It, it looks so uh, so off. But yeah, Bam Adebayo, um, Max Strus, obviously a great shooter. Kyle Lowry, who needs to come into his own. Um, you know these guys need to pick up the pace right now because four and seven is not what. The almost Eastern Conference champions yeah. should be looking right right now.
1: Yeah, one one went away from the, from the NBA Finals last year, right. and look at the start. It's not good.
2: They're they're definitely going to get it. To, I mean, it's Miami. That whole right, thing yeah, you know, it can't Pat culture. Pat Pat Riley's going to like have one day where he just screams the team, and then after that, they're going to go on a fifteen and zero run. That's that's how things have worked in, in Miami for the last <laughs> decade plus. Uh, I think Spolster will figure it out. They, they normally do. The one thing that continually frustrates me about Miami, it did last year in the playoffs, and you're right, they have been one of the disappointments so far. But why is Duncan Robinson not playing as much as I, I think he should? Yeah. I, you know, I, I understand that there's other guys there that deserve playing time, but look at what he did in the bubble, and he was one <laughs> of the main guys that made a series out of that finals against Los Angeles Lakers. Now, Lakers won in six games. They were heavily favored. But the fact that you pushed it to six against that team, which was much better, obviously, than what the Lakers are now, is impressive. You don't do that without Duncan Robinson. You don't do that without taking the training wheels off of Tyler Hero either. Yeah. So I look at those two guys. If I'm supposed to, you've got to kind of take those training wheels off. I think they've been on, for lack of a better word, for the last couple of years. Because that, along with Jimmy Butler, at full strength, and sometimes Jimmy turns it on and off and he takes shifts off defensively, he takes shifts off offensively too sometimes. Yeah, that, that's not going to cut it if you're trying to win a championship. We saw it happen last year against Boston. They, they probably should have won that series if Jimmy Butler doesn't take some of those shifts off because when he's on, he's on. When he's not trying, he's not trying. And that's the unfortunate part about what Miami's dealing with now. But I still have faith they're going to be in the mix so early in the year, I think Pat Riley's bolster will really get that straightened out. there's certainly things they can do to push that agenda forward though
1: yeah, definitely Jimmy Buller he's such a hard player to evaluate hard player to evaluate you know he's <laughs> randomly drop 50 and then he'll just like be and just take it off you know take off possessions and uh yeah the Heat. I'm not too worried about them, but definitely is there's a little bit of concern there you know especially when they're not playing Duncan Robinson. After getting that, after getting that contract, you know you need to you need to play him to say the least.
2: Right. I think yeah, I mean, I think that's where Miami is right now in terms of that. They're hard to really describe because of that phenomenon where you you don't know what you're getting on a night in night out basis. You know you're getting guys that are talented. It's just a matter of whether or not they're going to be able to pull out W's on a given night or week or series. Yeah, definitely.
1: All right, now real quick, before we wrap up, I just want to ask you guys both, what is your ceiling and floor for both the Knicks and the Nets? Ceiling for the Nets?
3: Last week I was asked the same question, and obviously there is many different variables involved now. I think the fact that they have a stable coach right now in in Jock Vaughn gives them some sort of legitimacy. Mm -hmm. Uh, This isn't just a complete, um, you know, Nonsense circus show going on with uh, Ime Odoko coming in and just seeing what we could throw fire with oil and getting <laughs> it to turn on and stuff like that. I think that there's definitely some source of uh, groundedness. Yeah. Now, we're not sure if Kyrie Irving is ever going to play a game again in the NBA. Yeah. But honestly I think that this is better for the team they can rally behind something and understand that they can work with each other and Kevin Durant has to notice that too Mm -hmm. that it's not the Kyrie KD show anymore and it can't just be the KD show because clearly that's not going to work yeah so they need to move these other guys around get a better rotation going and I think Jock Vaughn has the knowledge and skills and experience to I don't know figure something out but for the Knicks I haven't been watching too much of the Knicks. I know they started out very hot, and now they're kind of easing back into their midness, like I said before. But they're right there on the fringe of play-in, and I think that that's where they're going to remain the entire season. I think that they're going to drop games, win games, and eventually close out with maybe a plus-six record uh, on the season above five hundred. There's nothing I can really tell, but I'd like to give it up to the expert Colin Loughran, who uh, who probably knows a lot more in that category than I do.
2: Well, as far as ceilings and floors, I, for one, think that these things are ever-evolving. Uh put it this way. Last May, so just after the Boston Celtics and Nets had that brutal series, I actually had said the Nets were going to make an Eastern Conference Finals this year. Really? Things have changed. Hmm, yeah. Things have changed. I mean, look at...
1: Uh, looks like we lost Colin, but... uh. I'll just go ahead and say my ceiling and floor for these teams. For the Knicks, you know, they are a play-in team. But with the, how the East is right now, the East, they're strong. But I feel like there are some teams that the Knicks can outlast to maybe get into a playoff spot. Like an actual playoff playoff spot. I'd say that their ceiling is winning one playoff series, depending on who they play, you know. I don't think they can beat the Bucks or the Celtics. But, you know, this is a, this is a scrappy team. With a lot of guys who are solid and you know right on that cusp of, like a strong, like a threat in the NBA. Right. So I would say that the Knicks' ceiling is definitely winning one playoff series, but they cannot win another one. I'm I, sorry. I
2: agree.
1: Yeah. Colin's back, and uh, let's see, Colin, uh, can you hear us?
2: Yep, I can hear you. I uh, I apologize about that. <laughs> I am back now. Uh-huh. Uh, I was think I was talking about the Nets, so I can, <laughs> I can start there. As I said, a lot has changed this team. We don't know what the deal is with Kyrie right now. Apparently the vibes in that locker room are very good through basically all odds. (laughs) Even given that, I just don't know if they have the firepower to get to the Eastern Conference Finals as I thought they did when the season started or last summer when they added guys like T.J. Warren and you thought you were going to have a full year of a healthy Joe Harris. So, I think the absolute floor for this team is to make the play-in, but I think the ceiling might only be the second round. I don't see them as being in that upper, upper echelon of the Eastern Conference. The Knicks, on the other hand, I now attribute them both a higher floor and a higher ceiling. If you were to ask me when the season started what I thought the floor was, I would have said they're going to miss the playoffs. I now think the absolute floor the Knicks is that they will be at least in the play-in tournament. They're clearly a play-in team at the least for me. I think the addition of Brunson has done something. Obviously, he's not a premier guy in the same way you look at Giannis or KD or Curry, but what he does for this team is probably just about as good as what he could do for any team because he's got the right guys around him. He's got shooters all around him. He's very good at distributing the basketball. As I talked about earlier, he can create that mid-range shot on the drop of a dime. So really the addition of Brunson to me is what's sticking out. Obviously some of the deck pieces too, like Hartenstein have played a big part. I'm hoping RJ Barrett develops for the Knicks sake. That way I can attribute them to getting a higher ceiling, which I now see as a second round bid, just the same as I do with the Nets. I think both of those teams have a chance to win a playoff series. I think the Nets have a better chance at reaching their ceiling. But make no mistake, the Knicks should be in that conversation to make a bid at the second round if for no other reason than they finally have a point guard that can get the job done. And when you have that, it attributes better, more quality minutes for Derrick because who's not going to be exhausted by the fourth quarter.
1: Definitely, yeah. No, I agree with what you said. Um, as I said before, I love Brunson. I love what he's done for this team. And I think that the Knicks are really just a scrappy team that could scare some people in the playoffs. They definitely are a play-in team at the least, I would definitely say. And uh, going back to the Nets, for my ceiling for the Nets, I don't know. They're definitely going to make the play-in, but we've seen this before from KD. He has the ability to just go off and win games for the Nets all by himself. So I think that put that in the playoffs for him, he could win a series for them, but I don't think too. Not with how the East is, not with how many stacked teams they have how many complete teams they have then that's just are not complete enough to compete with some of these teams so i'd say that their ceiling is the second round not further and their floors losing in the play-in you know we saw them last year in the play-in obviously they destroyed the calves but still this this is a strong east
3: the Cavs and are different this year i feel Cavs are,
1: the calves are definitely different yeah the east is very strong this year I think that's going to do it for Pick and Pod this week. It's been a very good talk. I've obviously, so much going on in the association right now. Will Grant, Colin Lochran, thank you guys so much for being here. And with that said, I'm Anthony Bartiromo saying thank you, and we'll see you next time. Pick and Pod is a production of WFEV Sports.